As I walked through the world, I found a place uh, to sleep, and I laid myself down, and I had a dream. And in my dream, I saw a man, and he was weeping. He was reading a book, and the more he read the book, the more he wept. He had his back turned to his own home and his own town, and he was crying out, Woe is me! How can I be saved? He was reading in the book about an everlasting city, which sounded wonderful, but more alarming was that he discovered the place where he lived was called the City of Destruction, and it was ready to be destroyed, and he needed to escape. I must escape from this place, he said, and he ran back home to tell his wife and his children, we must escape from this place, it's going to be destroyed, but there's a wonderful place I've heard of here where we will be safe forever. But his wife and his children just thought he'd gone mad, they put him to bed and they hoped that by the morning he'd feel a lot better but actually the night time was terrifying for him and when he got up in the morning he was worse than ever. We must get away from this place, we must get away from this place. At first they, they just laughed at him and, and then they told him off and were very cross with him and then they decided just to have nothing to do with him in the hope that he'd snap out of it but he wouldn't. Then he left his house he had this terrible burden on his back. It's the way in dreams that you can't tell how these things happen, can you? Nobody else seemed to have a burden, but he had this terrible burden, this great weight upon his back, and he felt, I must get rid of this. I must go now. But he looked around him, and he looked right, and he looked left, and he had no idea which way to go. And he decided, I'm definitely leaving home. Now, in case you're worried about his wife and his four children, and I can say that in a subsequent dream they followed him, but on this occasion, he went on his own. Not knowing which way to go, he was, he was trembling in his shoes when suddenly somebody appeared to him, a man called Evangelist. Why are you looking so troubled, said the man. Well, I'm reading here in my book that my city is, called, is going to be destroyed and I've read of a wonderful place called the Celestial City and I want to go there, but I don't know which way to go. And more than that, I've got this great burden on my back and I want to get rid of it. Well, said Evangelist, if you're serious about this, look there across the field to the distance. Can you see a wicket gate? Christian, because that was actually his name, peered into the distance. I'm, I'm afraid so, I can't see it, he said. Well then, said Evangelist, can you see a light? I, I think I can just see the light. Well, keep your eyes fixed to the light then and follow it and you will find a place of deliverance. Went. But his departure had caused a stir in the city and other people followed him. This is Mr. Pliable. He was one of the first. Actually, he changed his mind so often they called him Play-Doh. And then there was Mr. Obstinate. And Mr. Obstinate, well, he was just pig-headed. But uh, nobody said that to his face. Mr. Obstinate and Play-Doh, which everybody called him, tried to prevent him. Why are you going? Well, because I've read of this place. It's an everlasting city where we may live in peace forever. Mr. Obstinate stamped his foot. You're mad. Come back here. Don't be such an idiot. How dare you leave your wife and your friends and your neighbours and your job behind? But the book says, no, I'm not taking any more of this, said Mr. Obstinate. I'm off. Mr. Pliable, though, Mr. Play-Doh thought, hmm, this sounds really interesting. If it's as good as you say it is, I must come with you. And so they walked off together, Christian leading. 
with his eye fixed upon the light to begin with. They talked along the way. Tell me more about this place that you're going to. Well, the man who owns the place welcomes everyone who arrives there and there are crowns for those who arrive and the streets are paved with gold and I'm told that there is peace and joy forever. This is wonderful. Absolutely wonderful, said, said uh, Plato. And he wanted to rush on. But he didn't have a burden, and it was hard for Christian to rush. So Pliable, with many tuts and humps and rumps, had to slow down to Christian's pace. As they went, though, they came to a marshy ground, a quagmire, and without realising what was happening, they stepped into the bog. And of course, Christian, there he is, but you might not see him very well, Christian began to sink. He had this weight upon his back and he began to sink to his, his knees and then to his waist and then up to just below his shoulders and he cried out, help, help, I can't get out. But Mr. Pliable, who didn't, Mr. Plato, who didn't have anything on his back, was able to get himself together and jump out, or not quite jump out, squelch out actually, on the same side as the town they'd left. And as he rushed away, he turned round and sneered. If this is the kind of trouble you have when you've just begun on your journey, I don't know what, I'm no way I'm going to face the rest of it. This is sheer madness. And he climbed out. Christian, however, went to the side which was towards the wicket gate. And as he got there, a man called Help yelled out to him, Hey there, traveller, what's up with you? And he had to go through the whole story again while help grew closer and closer uh, to get to a safe place where he could kneel down and help. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm running away from the city of destruction and, and, and I'm trying to get to the everlasting city, which is the eternal city, but we fell into this, this, this terrible bog, which was called the Slough of Despond. And I'm feeling very despondent and cast down by it, he said. Well, didn't you see the stepping stones, said Help, still struggling to get close enough to help him out. Well, no, we didn't see the stepping stones. Fear was chasing us, and we lost sight, and we just fell in. That often happens to people who come this way, said, uh, said Help, with the change of weather or anything. But eventually he found firm footing and held out his hand, and he picked out, pulled him out from the bog, from the bog with a great big... <laughs> He was dripping with dirt and filth and he smelt a lot, but he now set his face to go towards the wicket gate. On the way, he met a fellow called Worldly Wise Man, who in his own idea, in his own mind was very streetwise, but in a kind of posh way. Where are you going? He'd heard about him, of course, because the news had got around that this madman had left the city of destruction and he was determined to help poor Christian. Where are you going? And Christian went through the whole journey again. And who set you on this journey, said Mr. Worldly Wiseman. Well, it was the evangelist. Evangelist. I've heard about that man. He's set many people on this journey. And the journey is attended by many dangers with dragons and lions and, and fierce monsters and terrible things. And I can see by your clothing and by the smell that you've already fallen into the slough of despond. Well, this is the way I was told to go. I can show you a better way, said Mr. Worldly Wise Man. And he pointed across the field to a hillock as it appeared to them there. If you go across here, he said, you will bump into, you can come to the house of Mr. Legality, who actually worked for the firm Goody Goody and Company Limited. His terribly polite son, Civility, 
Go to them. And he's got many men out of their, out of their um, burdens. And, well, there's many cheap places there. And with your burden gone, you can rent a place cheap and buy food there. And you can call for your wife and children. And they can come and live with you. And so anxious to get rid of his burden. And so anxious not to go through all the troubles. Off went Christian. But a worldly wise man hadn't told him is that the little hillock turned into a fearsome mountain overhanging boulders and scree which had fallen down and even now Christian could hear stuff tumbling down the mountain and as he looked up it looked too too terrible to conquer and he hadn't come across um, goody goody and company or, or his terribly polite son and as he looked up there were rumblings and fire and he thought I'm going to fall down and die here or else I will burn to death what must I do and he looked around and realised he'd lost his way oh no and suddenly whew, who should turn up but Mr Evangelist he did have a very stern look on his face aren't you the fellow that I saw down there in the field on your way to the wicket gate? Well, well, well yes, but I, I met m- 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 Mr. Worldly Wiseman. That man is a menace, said Evangelist. But I'm very sorry I met him. I really, I really realise I've been very foolish to take his advice and not follow your advice. Well, said Evangelist, look at him full in the eye. Just stand still a moment and consider. consider. And said again, how stupid he felt and how sorry he was to have taken that false advice. And then wagging at his finger, but with a touch of mercy in his voice for all his stern look, Evangelist said, how quickly you departed from the word of God to a different way. But turn now, go back and resume your journey. I hope all goes well with you. And so Christian turned round and he didn't dare to speak to anybody on his way back or stop or, uh, or answer any questions and he wasn't even, didn't even know if he'd find his way back because the way was narrow and few there are that find it but phew, recognised the way turned himself towards where the light was shining and eventually quarry, but eventually I'm going to say he came upon the wicked gate, but he didn't do that yet. He came upon these people instead. Their names were Simple, Daisy, and Presumption, who was rather smug. As he looked at them, he discovered that they had, he realised that they had chains on their feet. Wake up, wake up, he said. This is a dangerous place. I'll help you get your chains off. But Simple said, I don't see any danger. And Lazy says, I just want to go to sleep. A presumption says, I know best, and looked terribly smug. Christian really wanted to help them, but he remembered the warning that he'd received from Evangelist and thought, if these people don't want to move, I mustn't dally here any longer. And he went on his way. And it wasn't long. realized how wise he was. He reached the wicked gate. But, and this wee and a bang and an arrow slammed into the gate just over his shoulder and he looked around and he saw on the hill behind him a dark castle and arrows flying towards him and people shouting and raging that he was knocking on the door and whiz bang another arrow slammed into the door and he knocked all the harder because he said knock and the door shall be open to you and as he knocked whew, 
The door was opened and he was pulled inside by a man called Goodwill. And then, of course, he had to go through the whole story again. Well, I'm running away from the city of destruction. An evangelist told me to find the wicked gate and said that I would be told there what to do. And more than that, I've got this great burden on my back and I really so much want to get rid of this burden. Well said, Goodwill, there isn't a man around who can help you get rid of your burden. But I tell you, if you go in that direction, and he pointed in the right direction, if you go that way, you will come to the place of deliverance. And before you go, the house of the interpreter. It was quite dark, quite late at night, when he eventually reached the house of the interpreter. But as he knocked on the door, he was given a warm welcome and invited in. Now, this was a strange house, I have to say, a bit like something in a theme park, really. And when he went in, the first room that he went into was a room which was absolutely filthy with dust. There was so much dust that just walking in began to, to kick it up and choke it. And, and the interpreter said to a maid, come in and sweep this room, will you? But the dust came up and clogged and choked P- Pilgrim till he, was, till he was coughing his guts up. And then the interpreter told the maid, go and get some water and sprinkle the water. And as she sprinkled the water, the dust settled and it became really easy to, uh, to brush it up. And the interpreter looked at Pilgrim in the eye and said, see how easy it is for the grace of God to clean away the sin of your soul. And then he took him into another room where there was a fire burning. And strangely, there was a man throwing water onto this fire and tried to pour it out and it just wouldn't go out. And Christian didn't understand it. So interpreter said, come with me. And they went round the back and there was somebody else pouring oil on all the time so that the fire never actually went out. He showed him many places like that. But the last thing he went, it was like he was watching something on a stage. And there was... a a man sitting at a desk, taking the names of, of pilgrims who wanted to make this journey to the, the promised land. But standing in front of the gates were these terrible soldiers, and, and people queuing up, longing to go on the journey, were too scared to pass these soldiers. And again, as though it was on a stage, a man who was valiant came forward, he said, set my name down, I want to go. And he took out his sword, and he began to challenge the two guards in front of the gate. They fought for a long time, there was a clashing of steel, and there were sparks and clanging, and after many wounds and, and, and almost exhaustion, he defeated the two men, and went on through the gate. Ah, said Christian, I think I know what this means. You don't have to be clever to make this journey, but you do have to be brave. And so he went on his way. Eventually he came to a narrow place with walls on either side, and he felt deliverance nearby, and he wanted to run, but it was very difficult with this great burden. The walls past which he was running were the, the walls of salvation, and he thought, I must, I must rush, I must rush, I must rush, I'm nearly there. And sure enough, ahead of him he saw this little hillock, And at the bottom of the hill, there was an open tomb. And he looked up, and there at the top of the hill, there was a cross. And as he approached it, he thought he saw the form of someone on it. And as he got near, something in his heart leapt, and the shadow of the cross fell across him. And no sooner had it done that, than the straps of his burden snapped. And the burden fell off. And it rolled at gathering speed down the hill and round the corner and into the open tomb. And it was never seen again. And he stood there, amazed, wondering. 
flexing his shoulders, being really chuffed, when three shining ones stood next to him. One of them said, see how easy it is for God to wash away the, the stain of your sin. And another one said, here's a new set of clothes for your journey, a special set of clothes fit for the heavenly city you're approaching. And the last one said, and here is a, here is a parchment. You must keep hold of this parchment. Don't lose it and don't give it up till you get to the gates of the celestial city itself. And then the three shiny ones went away. But before he could continue his journey, he just had to shout, Yippee! 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 And then he went on his way singing. But to see whether he got there easily or with difficulty, you'll have to come back next week.